0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 29 of the 60-day legislative session where the governor has found another way to avoid uncomfortable questions from reporters.
1: I, I don't trust the premise of the question.
0: Ron DeSantis had been asked why the state did not extend unemployment payments to pregnant women, workers who were sick with COVID, and parents who were forced to stay home to care for their kids. We are still waiting on an answer. Three days after it cleared the legislature, the governor signs a bill protecting businesses from COVID liability lawsuits. Senate President Wilton Simpson says it's payback for companies that never closed during the crisis.
2: Probably 30 or 40 percent of our population were actually locked down. The rest of us were still working every day. Those businesses that had to be there every day then, we're here for today.
0: And after signing that law, the governor announced he'll be signing an executive order that forbids businesses from requiring proof of vaccination to enter their stores.
1: It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society.
0: DeSantis also wants the legislature to pass a new law banning vaccination passports, so much for the government not imposing mandates on the private sector. The state legislature has a new whipping boy, or girl if you will. Transgender kids are being targeted by conservatives in the legislature and not in a good way.
3: Bills like SB2012 and SB241 are politically motivated attacks masquerading as family values that scapegoat young people to appeal to hateful extremists.
0: Today on the Sunrise Interview, you'll hear from Captain Will Benson, a lifelong fishing guide in the Florida Keys, who is trying to keep the legislature from overruling the citizens of Key West, who voted to limit the size of cruise ships at their harbor.
4: With more and more ships, bigger and bigger ships all the time, you know, we're watching the destruction of our, uh, of our fishery, we're watching the coral reef die, the seagrasses on the north side. It's just, you know, it's a man-made water quality disaster that needs to be stopped.
0: We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man who hit a camera in the girls' locker room at Clay High School. He'll be at Club Fed for the next 20 years. We'll dive into the news right after this on the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics.
2: This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity Florida.
0: And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, March 30th. This is Doctor's Day, National Pencil Day, and National Virtual Vacation Day. It was on this date back in 1822 that Congress combined West and East Florida into what became known as the Florida Territory. In 1870, Florida's territorial government was established during Civil War Reconstruction. And one year ago today, the governor issued a lockdown for COVID-19. He called it the Safer at Home Order.
1: You now we're going, guns blazing, doing all that we can uh, to be able to slow the spread
0: uh, of COVID.: How times have changed. One year after he announced the lockdown, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill protecting businesses and health care providers from COVID liability lawsuits. This
1: bill will be effective uh, immediately. And I think the message is, is, you know, we want folks to be able uh, to live their lives, provide opportunities for people to do different things, and then let individuals make the decisions about what they want to do. You know, you want to go listen to the band? Go do it. You don't? That's fine. uh, But we want those opportunities for as many people as possible.
0: House Speaker Chris Sproul says this new law protects businesses that remained open during the worst of the COVID crisis.
4: There's probably not a person in this room who hasn't been to their favorite pizza place or their favorite restaurant or their favorite location to go and hang out with your family where you have not had a business owner who says, I am scared. I am worried about what could happen. Even though I'm doing all the right things, I'm worried that I could get hit with a lawsuit. Or you have our, our frontline healthcare workers who've been working so hard during this pandemic who are concerned that you know they too could be a victim of a frivolous lawsuit even though they're doing the right thing. What this bill does is says, if you're doing the right things, you're protected. Uh, You're protected and you have the most aggressive protection in America. If you're doing the wrong things, then there's a way for people to get there.
0: Senate President Wilton Simpson says this liability shield is their way of saying thanks to businesses that never shut down because they were considered essential.
2: The reason this bill is so needed is because we've had businesses, frontline workers in healthcare, that in the face of the tragedy that they were facing last March, April, May, had to go to work every day, had to prepare, had less PPE than they may have would have preferred to have had. This bill was essential to make sure we protected those folks. All of the days that were shut down, there were no farmers shut down anywhere. There were no truck drivers shut down anywhere. Everyone still had to eat, everyone still had to go to work that was going to provide for those basic services that had to be accomplished, you know, so that we could all live our lives, even in a lockdown state. So when we think about being locked down, we're talking probably 30 or 40% of our population were actually locked down. The rest of us were still working every day. Those businesses that had to be there every day then, we're here for today.
0: But critics say the new law also protects the bad apples that put their customers and their own employees at risk during the pandemic. The governor says he'll be signing an executive order before the end of the week, forbidding private businesses from requiring proof of vaccination from people who want to enter their stores.
1: It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You wanna go to a movie theater? Should you have to show that? No. You wanna go to a game? No. You wanna go to a theme park? No. So we're not supportive of that. Um, I think it's something that people have certain freedoms and individual liberties to make decisions for themselves. I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do you know we're going to have hit three and a half million seniors that have gotten shots uh uh, sometime this week likely 75 percent of seniors it's important to be able to do it but at the same time uh, we are not going to have you provide proof of this just to be able to live your life normally and i'm going to be taking some action in, in an executive function emergency function here very shortly but i've spoken i just spoke with the speaker Um, about it. And I'm telling Wilton publicly, so hopefully he agrees with me. Um, But we do need, we need the legislature to come in and just say this is not happening in Florida.
0: So much for the gov who doesn't want the government telling companies how to do business. But it could have been worse. At least he's not ordering them to cancel their mask mandates. Not yet anyway. Taking another page from Donald Trump's playbook, the governor's refusing to answer basic questions from reporters because he doesn't like the premise. The most recent example came Monday when Mary Ellen Kloss of the Miami Herald asked DeSantis why he didn't issue a waiver, as many other governors did, so pregnant women could receive unemployment benefits during the COVID crisis when they were forced to stay home. DeSantis refused to answer unless she gave him the names of women who'd been denied.
1: Who's that? Can you give me that information? You have the information on those people that you can provide.
4: Well, yeah. Why didn't you? Why didn't you waive it here? Why were those people
1: denied? So you didn't. Pro- can you provide me those the the, the ind- indications of that or the examples?
4: Provide us the information.
1: Okay. All right. Next.
4: I mean, Governor, are you asking for names, or we're we asking you questions about actions you've taken? So
5: are you looking for names
1: that we need to give you? I'm. I i do not trust the premise of the question. So yes, I would like to see some validity to what they're saying before I indulge the premise, because I don't think that the premise, um, it's not something I'm going to accept at face value. Okay, let's 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 do something else.
0: Kudos to reporter Bobby Calvin with the Associated Press, who followed up and forced the governor to admit he was asking for names before he would answer a question about what is essentially a policy question and has nothing to do with naming names. There's been a lot of talk during the session about passing a bill to override the voters of Key West and wipe out a local ordinance limiting the size of cruise ships using their small harbor. Supporters of the bill say the legislature needs to preempt the locals because, well, they just don't like it. The cruise industry doesn't like it either, not to mention the harbor pilots who make big bucks steering those cruise ships. But longtime fishing guide Captain Will Benson says the legislature should butt out because they had good reasons to limit the size of those ships. And if all else fails, he's hoping the governor will stop the bill.
4: What's actually going on down here in Key West, if you talk to folks like me who are out in the harbor at 7 o'clock in the morning watching you know, mega ships come in, is that we have a very narrow, very shallow channel that can't really accommodate the size ships that they're trying to bring in. You know, Key West started out years ago bringing in smaller ships, and as the ships got bigger and bigger, you know, they started bringing those into Key West and more and more of them. And along with that comes you know, severe disturbances to the bay bottom. The, the propeller wash chews up everything on the bottom and leaves a huge you know, trail of silt and basically destroyed habitat behind it. And when you're out there in the morning and you're tarpon fishing and you're looking at schools of fish that are happy and, and doing their thing, and then a big cruise ship comes through, you watch the tarpon flee in terror, uh, and you see the bleeding trail of seafloor behind it. Uh, and you know, with more and more ships, bigger and bigger ships all the time, you know we're watching the destruction of our uh, of our fishery. We're watching the coral reef die. the seagrass is on the north side. It's just you know it's a man made water quality disaster that needs to be stopped. The Florida keys it's about water. I mean, people come to the Florida Keys for our waters, for our coral reef for our great fishing, and the rest of it. Uh, if we are willing to Jeopardize that uh, for an industry that is clearly violating that. I, I just think that that's bad business. I-, I don't think the economics line up. If you want to talk about economics, you know, the last time they did a study on this, shallow water sports fishing, flats fishing, what I do in the Florida Keys generates four hundred and seventy-five million dollars a year for Monroe County. That's that's a big business down here, and that's frankly the reason that people come here. It's not here to come buy a trinket on Lower Duval Street. It's to come see tarpon, to catch tarpon, to experience our waters, experience the beauty of the Florida Keys, and we're jeopardizing that.
0: As a fishing captain, what do the cruise ships do to your business?
4: They don't do anything for my business. Uh, In the 20 years that I've been in business, uh, I've never taken a person who's arrived on a cruise ship fishing. They don't stay long enough. The, the corporations themselves don't work with captains like us, like, you know, independent captains. And if they were to go fishing or something and they were to work with us, they'd take an enormous cut. So we wouldn't make any money anyway, because that's how the business, you know, the industry works. They come in and they they take this huge cut. They jack up the prices. And, you know, the and, you know, business guys like me, we don't make any money. You know, really, it's one sided I, I watch them every morning as we're, you know, proceeding to tarpon fish. They run over the tarpon, the tarpon flee in terror. The silt plume goes out to the reef, or it goes up to the north in the grass basin, and basically we're watching the destruction of our environment, and we see no benefit.
0: It's also been said that this is all being driven by a handful of harbor pilots. Any truth to that?
4: I don't know who it's being driven by. I know that the harbor pilots tried to sue us in court to prevent the voters from having their say in this. So sure, why wouldn't they if they didn't get the favorable outcome that they wanted? Uh, Because clearly the citizens down here have a problem uh, with, you know, the impacts of cruising uh, or large cruise ships. Yeah, sure. I would imagine they'll go to Tallahassee. But, you know, are there other entities behind it? I'm perhaps I don't know. But those guys, the harbor pilots, you know, get paid a lot of money and, you know, they have a certain knowledge of the harbor that I'm sure is, you know, well formulated. They have a lot of experience. But but so do I. You know, I've grown up here in the Keys. I know the resource. I know what happens in that harbor. I navigate my boat through that harbor every day as well. And what I'm looking at is I'm looking at sea turtles. I'm looking at dolphins. I'm looking at tarpon. I'm looking at stuff on the bottom because I dive there. I grew up there as a kid diving lobsters, and I've seen the destruction. So, really, who's the expert here? The harbor pilot says, oh, well, we know what to do. Let's be honest. They get paid more if they get, you know, bring in bigger longer more massive ships and we get hurt more with the bigger longer more massive ships and i'm not a scientist but but my own you know you know that the smell test applied here is that it's bad for the environment it's bad for fishing and ultimately it's bad for our brand uh key west and, and what we're trying to offer down here which is you know a certain product of a quality experience on the waters, you know, and in the community of Key West. We really need to look out for that. We need to strike a balance. So really our group and and our position and my position is I'm not anti-cruising. You know, we think the future is in these smaller ships. We welcome them to Key West. We want them to come to Key West. We just don't want the big ships that come with the environmental and the health safety problems.
0: And what do you make of the fact that the legislature is basically saying we know better than the people of Key West what is best for Key West?
4: It's sad. You know, I I think that we've had a problem with, you know, the the cruise ships and their impact. You look back in 2013 uh, when they were proposing, you know, widening the channel to bring in even bigger ships. We spoke resoundingly that we didn't want that. You know, we want the balance. It's not that we're anti-cruising. It's that we just need a balance down here. And I think that our group proposed reasonable limits, uh, you know, a really well-thought-out, compromised position, and frankly, a position that's forward-looking. You know, all the trends in cruising and the build orders and, build orders and the rest of it, they're all for these smaller ships. That's where the industry's going. We want to be on the leading edge of that. We thought about it long and hard. Our community has had, you know, some issues with this. We'd like to strike a balance, and we are very reasonable about it. We, we went through a, you know... A hard campaign where we were, you know, targeted with black money and, you know, negative campaigning, you know, you name it. It came at us and we won. We won overwhelmingly. So the fact that the legislators coming in here and saying, oh, you know, they don't know what's good for them. You know, we're we're here to solve your problem. Key West, you can't handle it yourselves. Let's be honest. You know, Key West and the Florida Keys are the are a gem in the state of Florida and they're a gem because of our environment. And, you know, we don't want to just be used and abused to sell the keys or to sell the state of Florida if you're not willing to protect us. And that's why we're calling on the governor to step in here. It's clear that the legislators, they're going to take the money. But I think, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis has has some real backbone when it comes to this environmentalist stuff. You know, we all supported him because of the Everglades stuff that he promised, and he's been delivering on that. You know, and here's another water quality issue That matters because, you know, in the state of Florida, you know, good environmentalism is good business. That's what we are in the state of Florida is we are, you know, business that's, you know, in and around, you know, water and the experience of our environment. The beaches, the reefs, the, you know, you name it. That's what we are in Florida. And we're calling on the governor to come in and help us out. This is a reasonable measure. We're not going to affect cruising and the industry of cruise ships one bit. There's no jobs in Miami that are going to be lost because of this referendum, right? But what's going to happen is we're going to guarantee the investments that we're making in the coral reef, investments that we're making in, in getting the water quality right, and, you know, making a sustainable environment so that the future of tourism, the future of fishing, businesses like mine, they're going to be guaranteed. And that's the future of Florida. And we know the governor, you know, shares that same opinion, which is why we need him to step in.
0: You've been listening to Will Benson. He's the lead captain of the Lower Keys Fishing Guide Association, which has about 140 members. The Health Policy Committee in the state Senate meets tomorrow to take up a bill called Promoting Equality of Athletic Opportunity. Don't let the lofty title fool you. Senator Gary Farmer of Broward says it's an attack on transgender school kids that would prevent them from taking part in athletics.
6: I don't believe that the sponsors of this bill uh, are are mean-spirited at all, but I think It's the result of uh, a lack of information and 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 not really understanding uh, the issue uh, and many issues facing uh, transgender youth. First of all, we have uh, never both the sponsors of this bill have uh, recognized publicly and agreed that uh, there has never been a complaint or incident in the state of Florida involving uh, a transgender uh, girl. And that's primarily where they, they speak to. Uh, uh, competing. And that includes zero complaints whatsoever related to any injuries or safety concerns or unfair advantage from a transgender person competing in in high school sports. And so you got to begin with that premise. This is not a problem in the state of Florida. Yet they continue to persist with this narrative and they fail to recognize that um, even if if the humanity part uh, of this discussion doesn't move them. And the statistics are overwhelming, by the way, the number of transgender youth who end up homeless, uh, who end up kicked out of their home because of transgender issues, uh, or simply sexual orientation issues. You could go on and on as to the other hurdles that transgender youth face uh, in this country and in the state of Florida. Uh, and as I said, you know, they're, they're just seeking to live their life in a way that that they feel comfortable and and that they believe is best for them and and seeking that sense of normalcy.
0: Kara Gross with the ACLU of Florida says Idaho passed a similar law last year. It's already been held up in court. And she says Senate Bill 2012 is not the only attack on the LGBTQ community.
5: It violates both Title IX and the Equal Protection Clause. This bill is a solution in search of a problem. There is no evidence that there's any widespread problem in our state concerning transgender girls participating in sports. This bill, if passed, would entirely eliminate the ability of girls and women who are transgender to participate in athletics. Excludes transgender girls in elementary school, in middle school, in high school and beyond from playing sports with their peers. When transgender classmates are welcomed into school sports, students are taught acceptance and inclusivity rather than discrimination and hate. SB2012 sends a message to transgender young people that they do not belong in their schools and that they do not belong in their communities. Additionally, We oppose bills like SB 582 and HB 241, which seek to inject a viewpoint into our schools that is offended by the very existence of LGBTQ individuals and seeks to erase their presence from history and from literature and from the culture at large. These bills are harmful to our youth.
0: There's another one called the Parents' Bill of Rights that includes a provision requiring teachers and guidance counselors to inform the parents if a kid tells them they're gay or transgender. Laura Brenzel with Planned Parenthood says transgender kids have become the designated scapegoats of the Florida legislature.
3: What's becoming more clear is that the Florida legislature has a new persona non grata, someone whom legislators have regularly made the target of legislation and debate. Who is shouldering this hate? Who is dealing with this ostracization by politicians who are supposed to represent them? Children, teens, and young people, and more specifically trans children, teens, and young people. Bills like SB2012 and SB241 are politically motivated attacks masquerading as family values that scapegoat young people to appeal to hateful extremists. One thing is for certain, no one needs to make access to healthcare more difficult for trans people. There is no good reason to ban trans people for playing sports and certainly no one needs to out LGBTQ young people to their parents. None of these hateful ideas are good policy. They won't better health outcomes or keep kids safer or promote social support. Instead, these policies will do the opposite. Further marginalizing trans students from their peers, outing queer and trans kids to their parents who may put them in danger and worsening physical and mental health outcomes. But that doesn't seem to be of concern to legislators supporting and voting for these bills. Why? Because these bills are effective political fodder for a base that demonizes queer and trans people. Because these bills are a monumental distraction for leadership that has left Florida with a crumbling infrastructure, for public health outcomes, and a failing unemployment system. Because targeting hate is an effective rallying call, and because for some legislators, that is more important than the damage and wreckage these bills will cause in young LGBTQ people's lives.
0: The civil rights group Equality Florida is holding a press conference today outside the Clearwater office of Representative Chris Latvala. He's the sponsor of the House bill that would ban transgender kids from athletics. We'll have the rest of your calendar and our Florida Man update right after this. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can
1: you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license
0: suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to your sunrise calendar. At 8.30, the Senate Education Committee takes up a bill aimed at curbing foreign influence in state colleges, universities, and other agencies. At 9, the Senate Criminal Justice Committee hears a bill that would prevent the execution of people who had serious mental illnesses at the time of their crimes. The House Agriculture Subcommittee meets at 9 to hear a bill that shields farmers from lawsuits. The Justice Appropriations Subcommittee in the House meets at 9 to hear a bill that helps victims of human trafficking. At 1230, the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee hears a bill that restricts contributions to political committees trying to place constitutional amendments on the ballot. Unofficially, it's known as the anti-John Morgan bill. He bankrolled the medical marijuana amendments. The Florida First Responder Suicide Deterrence Task Force meets online at 2. At 3.30, the Senate Community Affairs Committee takes up a bill allowing counties to spend money from the bed tax to combat flooding. The House Governmental Operations Subcommittee meets at 4. They'll vote on a bill that exempts the names of people who win more than a quarter million dollars in the lottery from the public records law. And at 4, the House Pre-K-12 Appropriations Subcommittee hears a bill that requires computer science skills to be taught in elementary schools. Finally today, a Florida man is sentenced to 20 years in the federal pen for making secret videos inside the girls' locker room at Clay High School, where he worked as a custodian. Prosecutors say 45-year-old Jason Goff of Stark taped a cell phone to the inside of a locker with a lens pointing through a hole. Investigators found a 30-minute video on the phone where girls were changing clothes, and Goff later admitted he tried filming the locker room at least three times from different vantage points. When they searched his other electronic devices, investigators say they found a collection of kiddie porn, including a video, and images of adults sexually abusing children of various ages, including infants. That's it for Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.